Hello, friends, and welcome to the show. This episode of HR Oxygen is brought to you by Boss Builders University. If you're looking to train up your supervisors and managers, please check out our newest offering, The Art of Being a Great Boss. In this 13-month program, I'll be taking your managers through our driving results curriculum, and that includes topics on communication, performance management, motivation, delegation, problem-solving, decision-making, team development, and much more. The sessions are virtual, running one hour each month, and I'll do it personally using our popular sketch and seminar graphic art and storytelling format. No boring PowerPoints, stale stories, and outdated tools and techniques. The sessions are engaging and provide tactical, practical tools that can be used immediately after the sessions. You can either have your entire organization take the program, or if you have just a few folks, join one of our open, open enrollment cohorts that start every other month. For more information, visit us online at thebossbuilders.com. Well, that's an ad for our training program. The big question is, do you have a training program in your organization? Are you looking at new ways to upskill or reskill your employees? Well, if you are, we have the perfect guest for you today. Ashley Dutton actually runs workforce and professional development at an academic institution. Now, what she's going to share with us today is practical and applicable for all organizations. I've seen a lot of training programs and training program developers, and Ashley's one of the few that have really got this down. So if you're looking for a really good three-dimensional approach to employee upskilling, make sure you tune in and take good notes as we interview our special guest today, Ashley Dutton. You know what time it is. Let's get that little personal item under the seat. Buckle the seatbelt, we're about to taxi off to the runway. Should the cabin lose pressure, oxygen masks will drop from the overhead area. Please place the mask over your own mouth and nose before assisting others. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the HR Oxygen Podcast, the show focused on the overworked, overwhelmed, and underappreciated HR professional. And now, here is the host of our show, the boss builder, Mac Monroe. Ashley Dutton, welcome to the show. Thank you. Excited to be here. I'm excited to have you. You were introduced to me through a mutual acquaintance of ours, and that's sometimes how I get my very best podcast guests. They're, they're friends of friends, and people have colleagues with expertise, and your expertise is around employee upskilling. And so our topic today is a three-dimensional approach to employee upskilling. So before we get into this approach, I was wondering, Ashley, if you could just tell us about your background, your journey. How did you end up in training and development? Where are you working today? Tell me, tell us exactly what you do. Yeah, so I currently work for Pikes Peak Community College. I'm the manager of development and leadership advancement there. And I like to say that I got into this in a very non-traditional route, but I feel like non-traditional is kind of the traditional route now. Like there's no one traditional way to get to it. So when I was in college, I worked as a work study and realized I love working for colleges. So when I got out of college, I was like, okay, I'm going to apply to every college job that I see and I'll just go where it takes me. So I ended up getting into financial aid, which is a very weird thing to think about. It's not the traditional route into anything. And financial aid is actually hard to get out of once you get into. It's kind of a deep dive into financial aid. So I spent 11 years in financial aid. And I came to a moment where I started to realize I had all of this unspent creative energy 
And I found myself spending it all in doing like regional training committees and building a grassroots committee at the institution that I work at now to do development for employees. I was very passionate about there's tons of development for faculty, but what about staff? What about us? We need that too. So I got really just passionate about it and into it. And I say it was probably <laughs> a little bit of courage initiative and maybe naivete that I got into training and development. There was just a random brown bag lunch session with the president and he brought up training and development and kind of maybe a rhetorical question of, man, that's interesting, but who would we get to do that? And I raised my hand. I was like, oh, me, me, me. This is my dream job. I had no idea that there was the potential to do this full time. And so we kind of ended that lunch and I went back to my office and told my boss, hey, I'm gonna send an email to the president just a heads up and connected with him, said, this is what I love, this is what I see, here's a leadership program that I'd love to launch, thinking maybe they'll give me some extra duties. And looking back on it now, I'm like, oh my goodness, that was probably a job interview because after that it was, hey, develop your role, let's make this happen, what does that look like? So very non-traditional, but a super exciting way to jump into it. Well, that's really great that you had a president that was that enthusiastic about training and development, because oftentimes those seems like, you know, the first thing to get cut when anybody's got to reduce a budget and the last thing that anybody really wants to take on. So I think it was very fortunate for you. I think that's great. Oh, yeah. I'm so grateful for my institution and their interest in really wanting to invest in its people. Well, let's talk about your approach. So the first thing I want to understand is the word upskilling. So that's a word I've just heard recently. People are kind of throwing it around. So what does upskilling mean? What what regular word does upskilling now replace? That's a good question. So we kind of throw around both upskilling and reskilling. So I would say upskilling is replacing maybe professional development, improvement, whether it's professional improvement or personal improvement, um, just gaining a lot of new skills, but maybe reskilling too in the same light of, hey, I have this skill, but it's kind of becoming obsolete, especially through all of our remote work and the things that we've been doing during our pandemic. So it's like, wow, I've been doing this, but now I have to find a completely new way to do this that works for me and it works for us. Yeah, I would imagine you're getting probably a lot of people in your academic department that are doing the reskilling now that a lot of people's regular careers have been turned upside down. But I, I kind of like it. I mean, I'm not one to like new buzzwords because, you know, what it, we used to say uh, when you didn't like a dog, you take it to the dog pound. Now they call it rehoming. So everybody makes up new words. But the training is designed to build skills. So it seems like that's a good word, the upskilling. And you've developed a three-dimensional approach. So Ashley, tell us about what are these three facets to how you are looking at upskilling? Yeah. So when we jumped into it, it was kind of how can I make sure that every single person that works at this institution has a professional development plan or uh, skill building plan or whatever that may look like that works for them and their specific role. So I had to come at this from a very broad perspective and we kind of narrowed it down to three focuses. So the very first thing that we focused on was, okay, supervisors. Supervisors, I think, have the hardest job at any institution. We have the executive level and then we have the entry level, but I think supervisors are put in this really unique position 
Um, and many of my supervisors at our institution is probably like anywhere else where if you do your job well, then they make you a supervisor because we just assume if you know how to do the job, well, then you know how to manage people, right? Mm -hmm. And that's not the case. So it was something that a lot of people, maybe some of the issues that we were seeing in HR, maybe some of the reasons we were hearing that people were leaving our institution kind of revolved around supervisors not getting the training that they needed and not having the support cohort that they needed to be successful. So my first approach was boom, we, you know, low hanging fruit. I know that hey, people hate that kind of term, but it really was. It was how do we start to really develop our supervisors and give them really a community to tap into when they run into those issues, give them the skills, but also give them the community. So our first one was a supervisor development program, and it is a self-elect or a supervisor-elect program that lasts for six weeks and we meet one full day per week. The next approach was, okay, so we have these supervisors. They're already in official leadership roles. We're doing what we can for them. What about all of these other people who maybe don't have official leadership roles yet, but are aspiring to, right? I want to be a leader. I want to be a supervisor. Maybe I just want to learn how to be a leader from the current role that I'm in. That's the best way to become a leader or to get that next job is a big thought of mine. So how do we really start to focus on them? So the second approach was our enhancing leadership program, which we have the opportunity. We do a 12 month program. We have them for an entire academic year where we meet once a month for a full day. And then we give them actually homework and teams to meet with in between and final capstone project. So that really tapped into the two big pieces that we saw at that moment. And then the third approach was, okay, well, what about everybody else, <laughs> right? Here we are is, okay, I don't necessarily wanna be a supervisor or a leader. I'm really comfortable in the job that I'm at and I just need skills to do my job better. So I don't need to do a whole year of investing into a program. Give me a couple things on a weekday that I can jump into and upskill myself. So that's where we developed the core competency digital badging. And so digital badging, I know, is also like a trendy thing going on right now. You might see on LinkedIn people posting badges everywhere. But it's really a web-based verifiable digital credential that kind of verifies like, hey, you've put in the work, you've put in the professional development to earn this credential. So we had to really look into what are the competencies that we want people to learn at our institution to be successful in their jobs. And we offer sessions that fall under each of those six competencies. And once they've finished three of them, then we assess them. So then we actually have to prove that learning took place, that they're applying it back to the workplace, and then they get awarded credentials that they can use to either grow in our institution, maybe grow elsewhere, or just say, hey, I have this ability and I have this skill. So it was really a broad approach to how can we touch every single person at our institution. Well, it looks like that hits just about everybody. So when somebody is in the supervisor, the eight week program, will they have already gone through the how to be a leader in my current role where it's once a month for 12 months? Is that normally how it progresses? Or if somebody has been hired as a supervisor, they just go right to your supervisor program. Yeah. And so this is fairly new. So we've only run two cohorts of our supervisor programs. So none of our supervisors have been through our enhancing leadership program yet. I would love to see that in the future, but for now it's just been, hey, I'm a supervisor. So we've had supervisors who have been in that role for 30 years who say, hey, 
you know, I really need to touch base with this because I still think I have room to grow as a supervisor. And then I've been lucky enough to catch people who just became a supervisor. And it's like, wow, this is the best way to start the program. And it's been incredible feedback that we've gotten from these new supervisors to say, oh my gosh, this was so helpful. I feel like I have all the skills that I need going into this. And if not, I know who I can call. And then our supervisors who've been in it for 20, 30 years say, I wish that this had existed when I started as a supervisor, because that would completely change the way that I do things. Yeah. So it's been a really cool way to figure out, hey, this works for both long-term supervisors and people who are just getting into it. That's, I mean, that's really impressive. And so when you came up with your, so could you, would you be willing to share those six competencies that you have for your, um, your everyone else, the core competencies? I'm just kind of curious what those are. Absolutely. So health and wellness, we started with that one thinking, okay, this could be financial wellness. This could be um, emotional intelligence. This could be well-being. Um, this could be yoga and different things like that. So we really wanted to focus on you as a person thriving and being well. So that's our first one, health and well-being. Then we have diversity and leadership. And so our institution, just as many other institutions, are really focused on how do we become an anti-racist institution? How do we create opportunities for a diverse workforce? How do we make sure that we as employees reflect our student body? And so we kind of combined that with leadership because that's, I mean, if you're not thinking about those diversity pieces, you can't even begin to take on the role of a leader. So those are just all the leadership skills that we can focus on there. Then we have ethics, compliance, and risk management. This core competency is really around, okay, how does our FMLA work? How do I do performance evaluations? How do I have maybe some Title IX conversations and things like that? How does our civil rights investigation process work? So those are more very specific pieces where I think most of HR does a really great job in training on already. And so we incorporated that because those are things that everybody needs to know. Then we did team building and networking. That was my favorite core competency. I just love getting people together and like having them do fun things because I love fun. So that was really my focus with that. I want to get away from the connotation of networking being we all have to go and stand with our coffee cup and try to sell ourselves to each other. It's more about escape rooms and doing an amazing race together. And how about a campus-wide clue game? Um, we did an Arnie Einstein quiz bowl that we did over the summer because it was something that we could do via Zoom and virtually. So different things like that to really get to know the people that you work with. So number five is skills, education, technology. So we focused that one around, I need to learn Excel or Word or PowerPoint or Banner, which is our information system for our students. Maybe I need um, time management skills. Maybe I need some reinvention skills that we have coming up. So those are a couple of the different things that we've put into that category. And then the last one is effective communication and customer service. So this is really focused around, uh, we've done one about difficult conversations, just communication in general, any different ways that we can be communicating effectively and how we serve each other how we serve students, how we serve the community. So a whole broad range of customer service pieces. So those are our six. That's pretty amazing. So how did you all come up with those six? 
So the I guess one of the positive things of the pandemic <laughs> was that I had a lot of time to like research and delve into things. So we work as a community college under a system that kind of manages all the 13 community colleges in not all of them, but a majority of them in Colorado. And so I reached out to the HR department there and they were working on some core competencies of what they want to see in people who take leadership positions at the colleges. And so I started to pull from that as well as different things that I was reading to say, okay, here's how I can maybe group them into categories. And then now how can we come up with the, the big competency that would fall under that? So they're, they're pretty broad, but it takes a lot of time of bringing all these different competencies that they were lining out for leaders and how to build that into just a bigger framework of what our institution stands for. Well, that's pretty amazing. So this you're approaching this from a community college as an organization. So how transferable would this be, Ashley, to say another organization that did something different, maybe in healthcare or hospitality or manufacturing? Do you think this approach that you have, this three-dimensional approach would work there as well? Absolutely. I truly do. And the reason that I think about that is because the programs aren't necessarily built around, hey, when you come into supervisor or leadership, you need to have all of these skills and you need to know how to do all of these things because that's what we need here. We start very intrinsically with, hey, who are you? What are you naturally good and talented at? What is your natural process for accomplishing tasks and achieving your goals? Let's dig into you first and then let's apply that lens to everything else about leadership or development or this skill or that skill. So instead of saying, hey, you have to come through this program and know how to manage administratively in higher ed, we're really focusing on, hey, how do you manage and how do you apply that to the role and tasks that you have? Because in our leadership programs, we have people who will be in there from our custodial program, from our child development center. We had the director of our law enforcement program. We have other faculty, we have staff who serve students at the front counter, we have advisors, we have financial aid. So we have to make an approach that will apply to anyone, no matter what area they're in. So I think a really three-pronged approach to this that I have and some of the focus of just start internally before you go anywhere else and let them build their strengths around that and their approach that's going to be successful because it doesn't matter what role they're taking on, whether what industry they work in, it's all about them and how they do it. I think that is unique. And I think you're right. This approach would work. So who does your training programs? Do you have internal experts? Do, do, do you do a lot of this yourself? How do you kind of staff all this? Because it looks like there's a lot of training involved here. Yeah, me. <laughs> now it starts with me. Um, so for the most part, so I... When I started this and I started developing the curriculum, I had a, a, a great friend and mentor and just amazingly smart woman, Christy Callahan, who is a professor at our institution, who is really into development as well. So I reached out to her and said, hey, uh, I'm, I'm launching these three programs. Would you be interested to just kind of work it through with me? Let's brainstorm. And she's like, are you kidding me? I want to be your sous chef. Like, let's do this. <laughs> so that's the beauty of connections, right? Like just yeah. having those teams. So she's kind of my co-facilitator, my sous chef. We like to joke for the supervisor program. 
and the Enhancing Leadership Program. So she helps kind of bounce ideas off of, she helps attend the session so people aren't just listening to me blab on forever. And then we bring in as many outside speakers as we can. So of course, over the pandemic and limited budgets makes that very difficult, but I also work at a college. So I have just a <laughs> wide array of incredibly talented people who have like, they literally teach these things for a living. So I try to tap that network as much. Um, we've been able to bring in like Leslie Herod, who's a Colorado state representative. She was like just totally willing to come in and talk to our employees about uh, diversity and how to build bridges across two different teams who maybe just don't get along. Like when you're thinking about Congress and the things that they do. So we've just been really lucky to have people who are willing to come in and speak for us. Uh, when it comes to our wider sessions like Excel and different things like that. I'm, I am smart enough to know that I am not smart enough to teach everybody in these areas that I'm not an expert. So that was another um, just amazing connection I had. Jonavi Brenner, she was in the coaching program with me when I got certified and she kind of works with the ICF chapter here for the International Coaching Foundation in Colorado. And she came in and did a whole five part series on emotional intelligence. And she was like, I loved that. I might know a ton of people who just want to contribute and do the same thing I did. I'll just shout it out there. And I'm like, oh my gosh, would you please? That would be amazing. So she did. She just said, hey, educational institution guys, they don't have a lot of money. COVID times. Is there anybody who just wants to help? Is there anybody who has specific topics they can offer? Maybe there's content you want to test out. So I just am so, so grateful for the overwhelming outreach that we got from that of people just saying, hey, I can do this. I have skills in this. I'm an expert in this. What can we offer? What can we set up? And that has been so enriching to our institution because you get so used to hearing from the same people. And especially like me, I'm sure they get so tired of hearing from me. <laughs> so to bring in these new faces, um, people who are my, like, some in New York, Washington, D.C., maybe California, different areas that we would have had to coordinate a whole travel schedule for them to come in and hotels. And they just popped on Zoom and gave us an hour of their time. And it was so valuable to our people. Well, everything you've told me makes it sound like this went really smoothly right from the beginning. But have there been challenges as you've rolled this out, Ashley? And if there have been, how did you overcome those? Absolutely. Right. It would be nice to say, no, this was perfect. It just went so great. Um, oh man, there's so many challenges to it. So I would say the first challenge that we really faced was time. So I started this role in April of 2019. And like any eager, excited employee, you're like, yeah, I'll totally launch programming. We can do it like just super fast. And so they're like, okay, how about May? <laughs> so literally within two months, I was launching the supervisor development program right from the get-go. And so that was probably one of the biggest challenges of, as any other organization who might be maybe starving for some of this development, time is not on your side because people want it now. And then as soon as that happens, then they say, oh, well, what about this? I want this now. And oh, what about this? And you have to be like, oh my gosh, I'm only one person. How do we get to that? I want to do it all. So time is a huge factor. Uh, COVID, I think, obviously put a lot of things up in flux for everybody and created a lot of challenges. We launched the programming to be full in-person programming. It really started to build those connections and, and connect people who hadn't ever worked with each other. 
And all of a sudden we went to COVID. So everything went virtual. And so it was like, okay, how do we recreate the experience of being in a room with somebody and spending those water cooler moments with them or just having lunch together and having casual conversations? So we really had to think about how do we make intentional connection for the people in our programs. So we started to create like virtual walk and talks where they bring an issue up and they call the person and go outside and walk somewhere. So they don't even have to be in the same physical location, but we just want them to connect together. Um, a small breakouts as much as we could like, Hey, let's assign you guys to connect outside of this and do some work together, not in person, but virtually together. Um, and money, of course, money seems to always be the biggest issue. So the way that we really overcame that was our, our connections, our network, just relationship building. You have to talk to a lot of people. You have to put yourself out there. Um, marketing a lot of yourself. And I don't mean that in a very structured way. Like, yeah, call your marketing department and just start working up stuff. But it was really about how can I help others see the value in the programming? And so the way that we did that is I started to record some of the people who graduated from the program. So we couldn't do it in person. I can't make you go around and tell people, but I give them a minute and say, hey, just record yourself for a minute talking about the most poignant moment or the most like impactful thing you got from this program and just talk about it for a minute. And then I take all like 15 or 20, whoever was in the cohort and I put them back to back and make a video of it and send it out campus wide to say, don't take my word for it. Listen to all of these employees who came through it and the, the thing that they took away from it because they each took their own personal, unique thing away from it. So those are the kind of things that we try to do to be like, okay, this is a challenge, but let's just try this out. Let's see what happens. Well, I'll tell you what, I have you know been involved in training and development for many years, and this is probably one of the most organized approaches I've seen. And so I'm really impressed. And you know, if you're listening to this interview today and you have been tasked with coming up with some way to upskill or reskill, I think you'd be pretty wise to connect with Ashley. So Ashley, if somebody is listening today and, and they are in the same predicament, they've got to put something together. How can my audience reach out to you and maybe run ideas past you? Yeah, no, I would love that. So please do. I want to encourage you. I am willing to share anything because when I got into this role, it was very much like there's no book. There's no guideline. We're just customizing this from scratch. So where do we go? So please do. You can email me at Ashley, that's A-S-H-L-E-E -E dot Dutton, D as in dog, U-T-T-O-N at ppcc.edu. So you can email me. You can reach out on LinkedIn. I'm just under Ashley Dutton on LinkedIn. So please do find a way to reach out to me because I would love to hear from you. And heck, you might teach me things. So I would love to hear and learn from you. I love it. Yeah, curiosity is definitely uh, going to be one of your greatest successes. And uh, if you are listening to this today, yeah, I would highly encourage you to reach out to Ashley. Ashley, thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule this summer to chat with us and uh, share what you've done. And I'm very impressed. And I know the rest of my audience can definitely benefit from what you shared. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Mark, for having me. I appreciate it. This was great. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the HR Oxygen Podcast. We hope you found something today that will relieve your stress, feed your soul, and pump you up to face another day. 
At Boss Builders, we want to let you know that we appreciate the hard work you do every day as an HR professional. And as a reminder, always make sure to adjust your own oxygen mask before attempting to help those around you. Be well.